0: Everybody joining me now on the Football Report, one of my regulars on the old show, uh, Justin Ferguson, Auburn beat reporter for The Athletic, and also co-host of the Lunch Break on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn. uh, Justin, uh, welcome on to the Football Report. Hey, thanks for having me on. Glad to be on a new show with you yeah glad to have you on i've had a few people ask you know you're on the sideline review a lot asked when are you gonna talk auburn with justin Ferguson. and i said we'll, we'll we'll get them all we'll get them all you
1: know you get yeah. your oh. you'll
0: get your auburn feel eventually so uh, i'm glad uh we could work this out and i'll get you on this week's show
1: yeah yeah a lot of stuff going on but it's finally football season man i'm i'm excited uh yeah i i am with you
0: there uh when i you know it's SEC media days is kind of like I guess even for me it's like the unofficial start because you know it's close you know it's here it's kind of like you know Christmas time December hits you know Christmas is getting here and that's kind of how I feel about SEC media days we're so close to it and now it's here practicing pads they're popping so it's a, it's a great time of the year
1: hmm. yeah no I, I I'm with you a hundred percent it was it was good last week to Finally, go out and have something to write about that I actually got to see with my own eyes, instead of just talk about for the last five months. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's been it's
0: been awesome. Yeah, you uh, know, you know, from what you've seen, from what the media has been able to to see out of Auburn practice, just what's been your big takeaway so far?
1: Uh, the big thing for me is that uh, the, the offensive line is still kind of the biggest news and the biggest, I guess, spotlight for this entire team right now. Um and the fact is that Gus Malzahn really really wants to get this thing over with um pretty pretty quickly uh you you know with the season starting on September first uh, but the way it kind of just the class schedule kind of fell Auburn's kind of cramming in um spring, uh, fall practice in in a shorter amount of time than they usually do and since you're playing Washington week one since you're going to have to s- replace so many starters on that offensive line even though they have three guys that that have quality experience uh they're going to want to get this thing uh going as soon as possible and um you know that makes a ton of sense to me and then you know we're recording this on a monday and uh you know gus wants to have uh, have an offensive line set by the end of the week which is really fast for him but but it does make sense um so it, the matter now is just you, you feel that three guys are going to start prince and winogo mike horton and marco harrell the, the issue is going to be where Horton is going to start and then the other two starters. Who who are they going to be? Will Calvin Ashley do it? Will the UMass transfer Jack Driscoll uh, get into it? Will uh, Austin Troxell, who was such a really good player for Auburn in the spring, will he hold on to a job? Could it be Caleb Kim at center? Um, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of parts, but Auburn's trying to get it done quickly um, because they want to get those guys repped and ready to go for game one to face that Washington defense, which has been one of the one of the better teams in the country these last few years and getting after the quarterback and uh it's gonna be big for them.
0: Yeah, and you know, last season, you know, for me watching it seemed like at times pass blocking, you know, you talk about get against the Corvettes seemed to be an issue at Auburn, which I will say this sometimes I think Stidham may have held onto the ball a little bit too long at times. Right. I believe they gave up 36 sacks last year. So you're going from Herb Hand, who left the up to Texas, to J.B. Grimes coming back. He was there from 2013 2015. What's the difference that's going to be there from last year to this year, you think?
1: Well, I I think the main thing with with J.B. Grimes and Herb Hand's difference and this is not to say that Herb Ham was was a bad offensive line coach by any means, um, but Herb Ham was a big a big uh, time recruiter. I think in his last few stops, he's also been a very big. Uh, he was a big deal for Gus and how he developed his offense, kind of like a run game coordinator in the past for him. Uh, whereas J.B. Grimes is an old school offensive line coach. He's he's a very uh, he's a technician more than anything. Uh, he's going to be the guy to get the finer details of offensive line play down. And he didn't mince words when he looked over and took over uh, this offensive line for Auburn again. He saw some things technically that that just weren't up to snuff, and, and that's where he's going to really, really help out the guys that are coming back. I think Prince Tagle and Nogo started off the season so slowly for Auburn, but when he was back in the starting lineup, toward the end of the season and, and started playing more, you saw the light kind of come on for him. I think J.B. Grimes is the perfect guy uh, to coach a guy like him who's got all that physical talent in the world. He just needs to get, you know, trained up in the technical aspects of football, which makes sense. He's still very, very new to the sport uh, when you compare it to other guys who've been playing offensive line or playing football all their lives, at least. Uh, Markwell Harrell and, uh, and, and, and Mike Horton go the same way. There's a lot of youth on this on this offensive line. You're going to be breaking in new starters. Um, you know, none of those guys started every single game last season. So the fact that they're going to get a coach who is really emph- is really emphasizing getting his guys, getting his best five, and then drilling them um, to play together and to play cohesively and to build that chemistry as early as possible. I think if it works out, that's the way Auburn really really needed to go um and that's gonna be the biggest difference herb hand you know the way herb hand coached offensive line he liked to you know come up with a lot of different um he came up with a lot of different scenarios that okay this line can come in if this guy gets hurt and this so he practiced a lot of them uh, herb hands a little bit more old school in the way he views the depth chart and uh, it remains to be seen which one's going to be the better strategy but I think with the season Auburn had on the offensive line last year, especially in pass protection, it's really going to help to have five guys that they can consistently build on for next season. Yeah, you know, let's talk
0: about the guy they're protecting back there, and that's Jared Stillman. I'm very high on Jared Stidham. I'll be honest with you. I'm not on the Drew Locke, you know, train, I guess you could say, about he is the best quarterback in the conference because my biggest thing against Drew Locke is I think he, he puts up great numbers. He has played well, but against elite competition, He seems to not play as well where I've seen Jarrett Stidham up against the best competition and play well last year in the regular season against Georgia and Alabama and other games as well. So I think that translates more to the pro level. When you look at Jarrett Stidham coming into this season, where does he need to improve for you to kind of take that next step?
1: Yeah, I think you mentioned earlier about holding on to the ball a little too much. Uh, Ball security was kind of a big thing for him. He had a lot of fumbles, especially late in the season. Did a good job avoiding interceptions but there were some kind of backbreakers late in the season that he needed to uh to to avoid and that's just going to come um you know with just more experience back there uh in terms of actually throwing it this might not be more on stidham but just more on kind of auburn's passing game in general is uh they did not really hit those 10 to 19 20 yard passes as much the intermediate throws the ones that uh that that NFL people are really looking at as is, is ones that kind of separate um, a good college quarterback from a guy who can really be a, a good NFL quarterback down the road. Stidham threw the ball, the deep ball exceptionally well last season, uh, especially when you compare it to past Auburn quarterbacks. Uh, the short game was, a, was obviously a huge success. That's where they did a lot of their damage. Uh, but just those intermediate passes, he's got the talent to do them. He needs to get a little bit more consistent with them. And Chip Lindsey and Gus Malzahn and, and, and Cody Burns and just the offensive staff at Auburn need to do a better job of getting him getting the offense those opportunities because if they can turn him loose in that aspect, I I think not only is it going to make him a better NFL prospect and be a guy who can be a first-round pick in the NFL if he gets in that direction, but it's going to make Auburn a better offense in general um, instead of being – they weren't very overly predictable, especially in the second half of the season. Uh, but if they can hit those those passes they didn't really use much last season, uh, I think that could be the the, the the a real turning point for this offense.
0: Yeah, I guess for me last season that really stood out to me when they played LSU and Clinton those games because it just seemed like they were just sending everybody deep and there wasn't really going over the middle from ten to twenty yard routes as you talk about.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it is kind of a it is kind of incredible. I ran the numbers for a story at the Athletic, and I, if I remember correctly, Auburn only had around 50 or so of those passes, and compare that to pretty much any other uh, top college quarterback last season, uh, it's remarkable. I mean, Baker Mayfield had 90 of them. I mean, uh, you know, a guy like Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson were all in the hundreds uh, when it came to uh those kind of passes uh Mason Rudolph had about triple amount as 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 those kind of throws even a guy like Jake Fromm who one of the knocks on him for Georgia was just he didn't throw the ball a ton last season even he had more attempts like that so I think it's gonna be very big for Auburn they've got guys to do it I think Nate Craig Myers is this is where this is his year to shine and break out a lot of Auburn coaches and players think that he is on the verge of doing it um I think he's gonna get more reps this year I think he's gonna you know play a lot more in the slot. And uh, get those opportunities over the middle of the defense that 10 to 20 yard range because he was very very effective at those last year. Just the problem was he didn't throw it enough. Uh, between him and Darius Slayton and some of these other guys in this in, the, in this receiving group, uh, especially some of the young guys, they just have the body types and the and the and the uh, skill set needed to really lock unlock that area of the field. And we know Stidham can make those throws, so it's just a matter of Auburn just giving them those shots.
0: Yeah, I know. After, you know, spring game, after spring practice was over, a lot was made of that, you know, Auburn coaches, Gus Malazani, said, you know, they're going to turn Jared Stidham loose, give him more control or flexibility at the line of scrimmage. I mean, how much of that do you think really has? Because I see Auburn's offense as that kind of hard to do, just the way you're used to these spread offenses. You look over at the sideline when they change the play, not like a pro style offense you see at other places. So how much control do you think Jared Stidham really will have at the line of scrimmage?
1: You know, I think he'll have more. I think he'll have some opportunities to check into plays, or just depending on how the defense is lining up, and have have an option to go to uh, if he sees this from the linebackers, or he sees this in the secondary. As a, I, you know, he's not going to become Peyton Manning at the line of scrimmage and start, you know, just calling a bunch of different plays. That's not the nature of the offense at all. Especially, even though Auburn doesn't go nearly as fast as they used to, the the, the pace is not as much of an emphasis anymore because. I think part of the reason is just everyone's kind of doing that now if they're running a spread offense. Um, but if you're going to run some aspects of you know no huddle offense, of pace, um, you're not going to really be that kind of guy who is going to sit back there and just draw everything up and, 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 and make all these pre-snap changes. I think he's going to have more uh, flexibility. I think he's going to have more control. Just because I think Gus Malzahn and, and, and Chip Lindsay are going to be more comfortable with him just like they were in the second half of last season, I'm really interested to see what that control and what that flexibility does in terms of the running game. Last season, Stidham was a pretty effective runner. Once you take out sacks and fumbles, I mean, he was he averaged nearly seven yards a carry when he was doing that, and um, had some big touchdown runs late in the season for Auburn that uh, were 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 crucial in the in the times that they happened. So. Um, I'm interested to see if if those RPOs, he has a little bit more freedom probably to kind of tuck it and run or probably make some more throws on the run. That's guy. I think that's where you're going to see the biggest difference this year.
0: So you're telling us we won't hear him hollering out Omaha or anything like that. No,
1: no, (laughs) no, no. no. It's not going to look like a game of Madden. he's not going to be like dropping back and like calling everybody on hot routes or anything like that. No, not at all.
0: (laughs) Oh, let's flip over to the defense. I look at this Auburn defense. It's, I think this defense has potential to be special, and especially on the front. You know, you hear all about – I always hear about Alabama's front and Clemson's front. This Auburn front is right there with them, And I look at – I think I'm looking at almost a NFL defensive line when we look at what Auburn has.
1: Yeah, it, it, it is a defensive line that outside of Clemson, I would put it up against any others in the country. I think Clemson is in a league of their own because they had four guys come back that could have easily been NFL draft picks last season. Uh, Auburn doesn't quite have that. They still have to replace Jeff Holland, but uh, the talent is just immense up there. Uh, you look at a guy like Derek Brown, as big and athletic as he is, he's a guy I think who could be a first-rounder, and NFL guys seem to think that as well. Marlon Davidson, a dude who plays with absolutely no break at all. I think you're going to see that in a guy like T.D. Moultrie this year as well, um, who's probably the favorite to start at Bucks. So strong, so athletic, um, just a natural linebacker that they can kind of move and, and, and put in a lot of different areas. I think he's going to be in line for a great year. Dontavius Russell might be the most underrated player in the SEC. Um, the way he takes on double teams and opens up space for all these other linemen is huge. And then you get in guys like Nick Coe who might not even start, but I mean, he could arguably be just as talented as the rest of them on that defensive line with his versatility, with his size, with his strength um it, it really is impressive a guy like andrew williams has played his role uh, he's going to come into his senior year not as a starter but a guy who's just a good um bolt of energy when they're ever they're rotating uh, and they had some freshmen that are going to come in and, and play as well uh, one of the guys that's kind of uh along with big cap ryan is a sophomore they're talking about richard jubin or a buck Really, speed guy off the edge, and if they need some more pass rushing help, they've got another freshman who can come in and do it. It really does, like you said, look like an NFL defensive line. And know Mel Kiper was really, really high on them earlier this season, uh, and 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 it shows that they've gone film. Uh, it, they have been the key to Auburn's defense these last two seasons, and that's just going to keep going.
0: And on the flip side, on the defense, you look at the secondary now. You know it's going to be kind of a new look a lot of you know new guys they lost some guys last season especially you know you had Carlton Davis what he was able to do Trey Matthews, Stephen Roberts to name a few so when you look Mm -hmm. at the depth of the secondary and what it's going to look like what are you seeing
1: yeah yeah this is really really interesting because I think this might be the biggest red flag for Auburn this year I know the offensive line's pretty big but I think Having Stidham back and the receivers back are going to be going to be very important. I think Auburn's secondary was it was really really strong these last couple of seasons with those leaders like you mentioned, but they have guys coming back that are going to be are going to be really really uh, in charge and, and can put up numbers just as well as I think as some of those guys who left. And that starts with Jamel Dean. If you look at Pro Football Focus in those places, he graded just as well as as Carlton Davis did last season. Javaris Davis was one of the best and making tackles after the catch in the SEC last season. Um, you know, Jeremiah Denson moving from nickel to safety. I think that was huge for Auburn uh, to have some experience back there. Uh, but the depth is, is going to be an issue. They, had, they moved Noah Ibn Agony from receiver to cornerback, and if, if everything holds, he's probably going to start, which is pretty amazing once you think about it. But it also kind of mm-hmm. says Auburn's cornerback, uh, Auburn's cornerbacks weren't as deep. Um, as expected Christian Todd a, a true freshman is probably going to play some major minutes there um you know they have they have two freshman safeties in Smoke Monday and Jamie Sherwood that I think will play a decent bit. Daniel Thomas will be back there uh Auburn's going to need some of those rotation guys and some of those reserves we haven't heard from much to step up uh, one of those guys is Javon Myers and, and surprisingly enough he was out there running with the first team defense the first day we were out there guy was only played one game he's been hurt he had red he was redshirted. Maybe this is the time for him to kind of break out. They're going to need some more of that. They're going to need people to do that all across that board in the secondary. Um, You know, a couple guys I haven't mentioned yet, Jordan Peters, Trayvon Leonard really played well as a true freshman last season. As role players, they're going to have to step up, I think, and and provide some of that extra depth. Uh, Because the defensive front, that defensive line, that that linebacking group, um, which we haven't mentioned yet, but those guys are so deep and talented and experienced as well. I think they're going to be able to buy some time for that secondary to kind of gel and, and improve, um, especially early on. Uh, it's going to be hard for defenses to really pick Auburn's secondary apart uh, when they have guys like Derrick Brown and Daryl Williams and Marlon Davidson all those guys bra- breathing down their neck. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a challenge for Auburn, but I think it's one they're going to be able to 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 work through because that front seven is just going to be so deep and so talented.
0: Yeah, a great front seven can help any, you know, suspect or, you know, inexperienced defensive backfield. Because if the quarterback's, you know, sitting on, on the ground being sacked, he ain't got to worry about throwing against you. So uh, if they continue to do that, what they've been doing the last couple of years, that secondary should be fine. Um, finally... This season, it's, I look at Auburn's schedule, and it's, it's a tough one. I mean, you open with Washington. You got to play at Mississippi State, at Georgia, at Alabama. So when you look at the 2018 Auburn Tigers, where do you see this team landing at the end of this season?
1: You know, the, the, with that schedule, I, I just I have a hard time picking Auburn to win the SEC or to win the SEC West, but they're going to compete. They're going to be right there, um, I think. Uh, I like them against Washington in Week One. I like how they that schedule sets up after that. I think they're going to be a, a playoff contender um, heading into the the Georgia and Alabama, um, you know, stretch in in November. There are some pitfalls. I think LSU at home will be tough. Going to State will be tough this year. Uh, but this team's very very talented. And they're returning a quarterback, and you know, we flash you back to four years ago when. You know, Auburn returned Nick Marshall first time Malzahn had returned a quarterback and they were able to start the season just on fire on that especially on the offensive side of the ball what hurt Auburn down the stretch that season was their defense couldn't hang this year that's not going to be an issue uh, I think Malzahn's more confident I think there's a lot of depth there's there's still some issues at offensive line and in the secondary but if they can get those together and play off the strengths of what they have get past Washington in week one I think this team's gonna be a playoff contender and, and who knows what's gonna happen. If they can split those Georgia Alabama games late in the year, who knows? They might they might be a team that could sneak into the final four without winning the SEC West. Maybe a rematch with Alabama down the line, you know, something crazy like that. I think this team's talented enough to do that. I think a lot of people looking at this Auburn roster and looking at what they've got this year, I think the, the schedule is going to scare a lot of people off. And it makes sense. Um, at the end of the day, I probably have Auburn finishing about ten and two, um, but I can be persuaded to go one up or one down off of that easily. Um, I think it's going to be a year where Auburn's going to be back in the new year six, at the least. And um, if they play their cards right and start winning, you know, win a couple of big games away from home, uh, I think they'll be right back in the national title picture again. Yeah, it's going
0: to be an exciting season. I'm looking forward to that matchup, Washington. That's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of NFL talent on the field in that yeah. game as well. And uh, Justin, uh, this has been a lot of fun previewing the, the Auburn Tigers. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking some during the season, see how the season is going. And uh, just if the listeners want to follow you online, uh, where can they find you? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at jfergusonau. Uh, and uh, just a little quick about the athletic, uh, we premium college football site. A lot of great writers. Not only not only college football, but pretty much any sport you you want to read about, uh, college or pro, there's usually somebody at the Athletic who's really smart and writing writing good stuff about it. Um, you can subscribe. It's ad free, no pop up videos, no clickbait. We're going to give you a you know my big thing about the Athletic is whenever you click a story uh, from us, we want you to think your you you know your click was well worth it. Um, and so we're not going to bombard you with a lot of just meaning mean, menial stuff uh, but you can subscribe now for $3 a month which is 40% off our current rate uh, you can go to the slash CFB expansion and uh, get it through there um, if you're on the fence there's a 7 day free trial check it out a lot of people who check it out on the trial end up subscribing all the way so I uh, definitely encourage anybody out there listening to kind of see what we've got going on up there It's it's, it's a lot of fun
0: Oh yeah! This past week I, I subscribed, and uh, I'm going to go past the free trial. I am loving all the content there. So uh, you got one uh, one happy customer here. There so, you go. Love to hear, man. Oh yes, yeah, so a lot of great content. Uh, read your articles, and plenty other. you right. There's plenty of great writers there. Uh, so uh, it's really great stuff. And uh, you know, I told you it's off there, but congrats on uh, getting the there with the uh, the athletic and everything going on over at uh, ESP 106.7 as well.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun. It was. Kind of stuck there for a little while when SEC country folded and didn't kind of know where we were going. But we're uh, really happy to be still covering Auburn and uh, kind of getting to do it in, in a couple of different ways that uh, that I really, really enjoy. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So definitely if you're an Auburn fan, listen, and follow along during football season. If you're not an Auburn fan, um, just trust me. There's somebody pretty good uh, writing about your team at the Athletic, especially you know, around where you are uh alabama georgia florida i can't recommend aaron Suttles and seth emerson and, and will salmon enough those guys are those guys are great and uh, you definitely want to check it out
0: definitely definitely everybody go check out the athletic and uh justin uh, once again thanks for coming on uh, this episode of the football report and i look forward to talking to more auburn football with you down the road
1: yeah man thanks for having me on
0: everybody joining me next on the football report, we're going to talk some Johnny Manziel and CFL. Uh, Tim Capper, host of the Alouette's Flat Deck Podcast. Uh, Tim, uh, welcome to the show. It's been a while since we talked. Yeah, yeah, a different sport, but yes. <laughs> but thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I do believe this is the first time we have talked in podcast form about the Canadian Football League because I think every other time it's been arena football, hasn't
2: it? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah,
0: it is. So, uh, anything interesting happened uh, this past uh, weekend for the Montreal Alouettes?
2: Uh, no, no, I don't know. There's just this guy named Johnny Menzel starting for the Alouettes. Uh, I don't know. I, besides that, nah, not really. No, not, not nothing,
0: nothing really <laughs> happened at all. You know, <laughs> yeah. And I was looking forward to that. And, you know, we talked about that all fair. Kinda get, I guess we'll rehash that in a minute. But, you know, before we get into what happened in his first start with Alouettes, just... The whole Johnny Manziel thing in, in the CFL, it kind of started last year, just when the whole thing first started with him. What was just the feel with the fans in Canada about Johnny Manziel? Oh, people,
2: you know, the NFL guys can think that that they, you know, that they think it's they'll be able to come up to the CFL and they'll be able to do what they, what they think that they can do. And I think when they do come up here, fans can be a little fickle. They can be a little suspect because – We've seen it happen before it doesn't matter which city you're from uh, in the nine cities for the CFL I mean it's they come up you, they have to prove themselves whether you're a uh, defensive back, whether you're a quarterback, whether you're a safety, whether you're a wide receiver, you really have to prove yourself especially being a quarterback. so it's you know it, the whole thing with Johnny Menzel and how the rules work with the CFL and stuff like that and him offering offering a contract and then then him, uh, activating his 10-day clause where they decide if they're going to sign him or not. And Hamilton did. Uh, and, he, and he came in this year and uh, started off with Hamilton and uh, played in a couple of preseason games. And, you know, so uh, I, I said, I, I think it was mixed. I really think with Johnny coming up here, it was mixed because, as I said, the CFL has had its history of guys who have won the Heisman Trophy like Johnny has, and... Um, or they've done really, really well and then they tailed off and then they came up here and it's, you know, we have to be skeptical because they have to learn the game. It's not as easy, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like the NFL. It's it's not like the Arena League. It's not like, you know, they're, they're skeptical. So then and as as was I. So, I mean, and he wasn't on my team and, at the time. So I was very skeptical about it.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, I guess, were there Discussions in the coming weeks to the trade that, uh, of Montreal. Were there rumors? I mean, I know it's, it's you know, honestly it's been a struggle for Montreal this season and last season as well at the quarterback position. So, were there rumors of this weeks ahead of time coming into this?
2: Oh, I, there may be little inklings, a or, uh, or little hints about. But to be honest, not really, because I didn't see it coming. Uh, yes, the Alouettes have struggled ever since uh, you know Hall of Famer Anthony Calvillo went down. And then summarily retired, um, you know it's bad when you have uh, – you've had, what, now 15 different starting quarterbacks since AC called it a career. You're not going to have very much stability. So it to me it was a surprise. Um, I, I think more or less it's it, – it also had to do with – he had a tie-in not only with June Jones, who is the head coach for the Tiger Cats, but also with Mike Sherman, who is the head coach of the Montreal Alouettes. So, you know, they all had their history. So I guess, you know, general manager, Cavus Reed, felt it was necessary to go ahead and pull the trigger and, um, you know, the the trade itself on who got what was also another bone of contention, I'm sure, with a lot of Alouettes fans.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and I guess it's bad on me that I live down here in SEC country. I had forgot that Mike Sherman actually recruited him uh, yeah. to Texas A&M, you know, Kevin Sumlin was the head coach at and m when he won the Heisman. I just straight up forgot that he was a redshirt and all that stuff. And then you have the June Jones uh, connection there. You know, and you, and you look at the game Friday night, and I was excited by this. And I told you all, Ferry, I had a rehearsal dinner for a wedding I was going to. So I had the game recorded at home. I was excited, you know, just to get home and listen and watch it. See it happened. And I was followed on Twitter. And then I was like, eh, just check the, you know, maybe just have to check the highlights <laughs> out on uh on the CFL website. But that g- the game really snowballed. I mean, he throws the first interception, which they were already down seven, nothing. You go nothing. the block punt. And then the tip pass that turned into interception should have mm-hmm. been caught. mm mm-hmm. Then I feel like he's forcing stuff. He's doing stuff he shouldn't do. It just was a situation where this game just completely came apart on him very quickly.
2: Oh, it did. And when you're down twenty-eight nothing after the first quarter, and in any league, you're, you're down twenty-eight nothing. You know it's it's a bad game, and it's basically do what you can to get the team back into it or show some some signs of of being able to get some offense going and uh you know, I think it's just just so much hype on, in him on him starting you know, and the question of whether he should have started this week, should he have had another week under you know uh, uh, for practice and wait until this coming week when they play the Ottawa Red blacks? Um, you know, there are a lot of people going back and forth and, and unfortunately, you know, it started the week prior. With uh, with Johnny on the sideline, with the Alawits saying that, you know, Coach Sherman saying, well, maybe Johnny was going to see a little bit of work or a little bit of playing time, and it's and he didn't. And you know, when you have multiple quarterbacks and you have a decent quarterback in uh, who was currently starting that week um, with uh, Vernon Adams, you're kind of disrespecting him when you have all these bandwagon fans. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. That, that's that's what I'm calling them. They're bandwagon fans just for for what, who the Johnny Manziel name, you know. So I um yeah, I, I'm rambling here, but it's it, it it basically it it was a situation that he was put into that he should not have been put into. and I guess a lot of people look at his results, and uh, I don't think anybody was surprised. But to be fair, to be fair. He did show some signs of being able to do something, some signs of the Johnny Menzel that we saw at Texas A&M. Um, it's funny, one stat that came out and watching, I think people should have looked at and said, okay, this is going to be a horrible first start anyways, is he lost his first three starts as a collegiate quarterback, as an NFL starter, and as a CFL starter. He lost all three of his debut starts, and they weren't good at all. Mm-hmm. So I think people should have just seen that from, you
0: know, the signs were there. Oh, yeah. I remember his first game at Texas A&M against Florida. Uh, it, he, and that was not by no means a great Florida team he went up against. But I believe it was a real much-champ Florida team. I, I, I do believe it was that. But anyways – yeah, he, he played okay. He had moments in that game. He didn't turn the ball over like he did in his CFL debut, but he was not the Johnny Manziel. He would be a couple weeks, the one that upset Alabama, the one that just annihilated Oklahoma in the mm-hmm. Cotton Bowl. The guy that won the Heisman Trophy. He wasn't that. He has shown, given time, he can develop over time, and I think he did show signs against Hamilton of what he can do. So I hope people – in the CFL fans, Montreal fans, can ha- give him some patience and let him learn the game. Because I still have, I don't know if faith the right word, I believe that he can be a terrific Canadian Football League quarterback. I just think he just needs the time to develop that skill set because it is so much of a different game.
2: Yeah, it it is a different game. And I think it's just a matter of, will he be here long enough? Because with his current contract situation and only having one more year left on his contract, um, if he does do well, and somebody else comes to call, him, whether it be the NFL, whether it be the XFL, whether it be the the Football Alliance, will he leave or will he try to continue with what he has started? Um, the, the problem is though with the Elwets and how they've been in their, in their recent history with quarterbacks and and how much of uh, how much the franchise, the Elwets franchise, has not resembled itself as did uh in the you know in the in the early 2000s you know they, they want stuff now and the problem is is you know i don't think we've ever been through a a rebuilding period like this as as much as uh wow since the team's been here since the team's been back since 96 so it's i understand he needs the time the question is will uh, will the coaches and the head office give him that time or will they decide to make another change again?
0: Yeah, and something else about this move, we talked about he played, he got put in the game too early, maybe a couple more weeks he needed to kind of learn the offense just, you know, for so he would be ready. And I kind of do wonder, because I know it was a home game and maybe or maybe not someone. Within the organization, new hey, or in the CFL, new. This is going to be also on ESPN two down in the United States. Do you think at any chance playing him on Friday night could have been a, I, I guess ploy is the word I'm going to use here, to get more fans attention on the CFL game, the no, cell jersey, the cell oh, jerseys. Oh, of course,
2: well, by all means, by all means, well, right away when he first came in, you already, you know, the team was already promoting the the Johnny Manziel jerseys and stuff like that. They did the same thing in Hamilton. They did exactly the same thing in Hamilton when – I think it was funny is that after they traded him, the Hamilton said, you know, we're sorry, but uh, if you did happen to buy a Manziel jersey, here, we'll give you 100 bucks that you can use – you know, trade in your, your jersey for 100 bucks that you can use in the store, uh, the, the team store. Um, it's a TV thing for sure. Come on. When, when Johnny was playing for Hamilton in the preseason when they came to Montreal – that game originally was not going to be broadcast at all, except for on French television here in Montreal. And what the league did is they picked up the game, and then obviously they picked up the game. That means ESPN picked up the game on the fam- you know the ESPN family, uh, you know family of networks. So it's of course it is, and what I think is funny though, Philip is that the the you know the whole hype with Johnny Menzel only equated to two thousand more people showing up on Friday night. That's it, two thousand. Wow. So you, you think it would have been more, but I think I think it makes the combination of maybe it's the, who, who who doesn't know Johnny Menzel and his name compared to okay you know this team is still doing they're playing like garbage still. Uh, Johnny Manziel it doesn't matter if he's going to be a, you know whether he's a name guy or not. We we don't think we need really need to go at the moment. So it's work in progress, but again as I said, how long were they how long will they keep it?
0: Uh how long will they uh, let this thing last? All right, you know, the close here on the Alouettes and Johnny Menzel conversation. Just in your opinion, end of the year, what would be a successful season for the Alouettes and Johnny Menzel rest of the way out? Uh, well he has to he has to learn the game.
2: That's the thing. He has to learn the game. I, I mean you know, I I project, I predicted at the beginning of the year that I could think that maybe they could get five wins, but they need some consistency at quarterback. They need some consistency uh, in scoring. The problem is this is just a horrible team and the O line is not going to help. You know, it doesn't matter who's going to be behind center, whether it's Drew Willey, whether it's Vernon Adams, you know, whether it's uh, um, any other quarterback that, that we may currently have on the roster. If your O line's not gonna not gonna be there for you, it's not gonna really matter. But I mean, best scenario is he gets better, we get a couple wins. Um, that's really all we can look forward to. Is you know, uh, Johnny, you know, getting getting to see the actual Johnny football play the way we, if you've been following him, how Johnny football football is played.
0: It's gonna be interesting. I'm definitely keeping. And on it and on. I think people down here in the states will too. I mean they, it's just something about Johnny Manziel when his name gets mentioned it people pay attention to it if it's a TMz post on Facebook or an article or if there's a video something of him playing ball I mean when he did the spring League thing it was yeah people paid attention to it so he has one he's one of those guys even though you kind of think why should we still be paying attention to him here? we do because he's a polarizing individual. He's entertaining, so it'll be interesting to see. And uh, I hope he has all success because I'm all about redemption stories, you know, comeback stories. Right? Exactly. uh, Yeah.
2: The old Johnny Manziel versus the new Johnny Manziel.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, before I let you go, you also over at ArenaFan.com, one of my favorite sites to visit, and host of the AFL Tonight podcast. Uh, Arena Football had a interesting uh, year. 2018 uh, ended up with, a, I think, a highly well-played arena bowl. Just uh, what were your thoughts on where the Arena Football League is going? Uh,
2: well, I, I think it, you know, obviously I think the league itself needs to expand. It just depends on how the league is going to expand. I know everybody was sort of like, well, how can you how can you allow a, a, a two-win regular season team win the championship? It, it's You know this. You, you follow football enough to know that it doesn't matter what your record is. If you play well near the end of the year, if you get on a hot streak, you can knock off anybody. And so it doesn't matter if you are, if you're under 500 or above 500, you, you, everybody has the chance and that's just how the the playoffs work this year. Um, but, but the, the league does need to expand. I mean, it's, it was a very unique year, uh, especially with the, the playoff structure and way it was, way it was put together. Um, but as I said, it's, they need to get it together expand show some some other markets can't come back get some new owners in there some new blood and uh, uh, build the league back to where it was back in its glory days and and, and hopefully and hopefully to to go even beyond just that um, it, w- it would be nice for for the league to to be uh,
0: as big and uh, as known as it was back in its heyday yeah, I started watching around 2000. I was an Orlando Predator fan, as you said, old market's back. I'm always hoping that is one of them. Bring back my mm-hmm. Predators. I need my Predators. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And, you know, I, when I was watching the league back then, all the way up until what happened in 09, I kind of, I guess I watched it with a blind eye. I was just watching the games. I would go on Arena Fan, read the game recaps and stuff but i really wasn't big into reading the message boards what people were saying what's going on away from so i was shocked when the league disappeared in 2009 I was happy when it came back and i tell people all the time you need to give this sport a chance because it's a lot of fun to watch uh it's exciting if you love points you have it there the quarterback play is usually really well. I mean, these guys are good players. I mean, most of these players are guys coming out of NFL training camps. A lot of them get opportunities afterwards. I mean, you hear Kurt Warner Kurt Warner, but there's so many great stories that come out of arena football with players making it to the NFL and just having great stories beyond that.
2: Yeah. yeah Mal- Malachi Jones is, is one mm-hmm. just this year. You know, he played for the Albany Empire, and just as soon as the season ended, he was uh, he was signed to Signed to the Chicago Bears. And he played in, in, the, in this past week's uh, uh, Hall of Fame game. So and anything's possible. It's just a matter of, of learning it. Getting a new, a new television contract, you know the league has to decide on that. Uh, how are they going to do it? Whether it's going to be on normal television or if it's going to be on, on on streaming TV, I guess is the best way to call it. So, yeah, as I said, uh, fingers crossed for what the what the league and the uh, head office can do for, for the... Uh, uh, for the league in the offseason it's uh, uh, just as I said don't want don't want it to go away it's been a part of my life for such a long time and uh, um, just, just like you with the when it left in 08 and it didn't come back in 09 but it did, did come back after that it's it was sort of a shell of itself but as I said it's just a matter of uh, sort of like the Johnny football thing you, you need it, it's just to get better to show everybody what you can do and what people
0: remember you to be. I say the key, the key word to our conversation, Tim, is patience. We need patience. Montreal fans, patience for Johnny Menzel. Arena fans, patience, because I do believe uh, the Arena Football League is a great sport. I like the, the owners that are there, so I think patience is key, and uh, I think good things are coming. Uh, both sides, for Johnny Manziel and the CFL, and I think good things are coming uh, for the Arena Football League as well. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, this has been a lot of fun. It's always fun talking to you. Uh, try not to make such a big gap, you know, next time I have you uh, oh, yeah. on a podcast. No it's always it's always fun to, to chat with you. Uh, CFL, Arena Football, all that good stuff. And if the uh, listeners want to follow you online, where can they find you? Uh, well, multiple places. If
2: you're looking to follow us for, for CFL Talk, uh, you can do so. Just the easiest way is going over to uh, AllowitzFlight.com. .ca. It's where you can find all of our past episodes of the Alouette's Flight Deck pod. Um, also, you can follow us on Twitter, also at uh, Alouette's FL Deck. Uh, for ArenaFan, ArenaFan.com or Arena Fan arenafan, uh, or on Twitter. And if you just want to follow myself and my ramblings, especially my salty self, especially when the Alouettes <laughs> are not doing so well, you can follow me at Repact on Twitter. It's R-E-P-P-A-C-T.
0: That sounds good, and uh, once again, uh, thanks Tim for taking some time out to come on, and talk some football, and uh, I look forward to it when we do get to talk again sometime down the road. Sure, it'll be
2: it'll be my pleasure to join you again.